0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Stefan Levin, the co-founder and CEO of Data Talks, a customer data platform that helps sports organizations create world-class supporter experiences based on their data. In 2018, Stefan was running a consultancy and helping clients turn their data into insights. But he realized that many of them struggled to figure out what to do with those insights. So he and his team decided to build software to help their clients get more value. They built an MVP and started showing it around, and it didn't take them that long to sign up their first 10 customers. Most founders would have been delighted by that, and Stefan was too at the time. But today he looks back and wishes that they hadn't sold their MVP so quickly. And we talk about why and what he would have done differently. Also, when they launched, they hedged their bets and went after three different markets at the same time instead of picking just one. That approach didn't work and cost them a lot of time and money. Eventually, they decided to focus on just one vertical, sports, and that's when everything clicked and the business grew faster. We talk about why it's so difficult to commit to just one market when you're starting out and how Stefan and his team eventually got there. Currently, Data Talks has about 500 customers and is generating around $250,000 in monthly recurring revenue. So I hope you enjoy it. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock faster growth for your SaaS business. That's thesastoolkit.com. All right, Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Do you have a favorite quote? Something that inspires or motivates you that you can share with us? Yes,
1: I do, actually. And it is quite short. Uh, It is, the best is yet
0: to come. (laughs) The best is yet to come. I love that. Okay, great. So tell us about Data Talks. What does the, the product do? Who's it for? And what's the main problem that you're helping to solve?
1: Uh, I think most, uh, a lot of people know about the concept of a customer data platform. It's a platform where you collect all data about a customer, like behavioral data, transactional data, whatever data you need to understand your customer better. So you collect that, you analyze it, and then you act on that to create a, a more relevant messaging. And in the end, of course, to drive more revenue. So basically, what the platform should do, if you've built it correctly, is drive more revenue, right? So what what we've done is we've built that kind of a platform for sports. So we built it for clubs, we built it for leagues, federations, and governing bodies of of sports. But it's in sports. Uh, so that's uh, that's what, what it does. It, it solves. Well, actually, uh, one of the big problems in sports is uh, they need to find sustainable ways of driving revenue. And then they have problems in mainly three different areas. One is uh, to fill the stadium, meaning uh, selling tickets and also driving match day revenue. The second one is to uh, drive a lot more merchandise uh, sales. And the third one, which is also an important one, is to uh, create more or better and l- more lucrative sponsorship deals. And data can be a really enabler in all of those three.
0: Can you give us a sense of the size of the business? Where are you in terms of revenue, size of customers, team?
1: Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So um, uh, right now we, we have an MRR around $250,000. We're aiming this year to uh, have an ARR around four and a half, five million uh, US dollars. We're pretty sure that we're going to get to that as well. Uh, We have about 500 customers using the platform. We have a team that is around 45 people, 16 different uh, nationalities. We have um, customers in 10 different countries, mainly Europe, but also Australia. Not in the US
0: yet. So the business was founded in 2018. Uh, you bootstrapped it from the from the outset, and are, have, you, have you just gone through a funding round recently yes that's uh, that's correct um, so so we are
1: bootstrapped um, with some help from from family and friends, but th- uh, just now uh, we actually d- uh, sort of did the first uh, f- funding round with with people from like outside of uh, <laughs> of, of the like the family and friends network. So that's been really exciting to see, to see how it's responding, especially in these times like the <laughs> during uh, the discussions with the investors, uh, uh, the, the macroeconomic uh, situation totally flipped. So that's been very, very uh, interesting.
0: Let's go back to 2017, 2018. Uh, where did the idea for this, this product and business come from?
1: it materialized over a longer period of time. So previous to, to, to Data Talks, I was running a consultancy. We were working with the big data and customer insight and building those customized solutions. And one of the things that we discovered was, first of all, we were doing some of the things we were doing over and over again. We felt that, okay, so this, well, okay, great that we can charge for it, but it doesn't make sense to be doing like the same thing over and over again. And more importantly, the thing was that we didn't really believe that the solutions were giving the value. They weren't really giving the customer the, the value that they deserve, right? So that that was a big issue. And it, the, the reason was that a lot of customers were asking us, great, now we get insights. We understand a lot more about our customers. That's fantastic. We understand a lot more about our supporters. But now what? What do we do now? I mean." We have to like. How do we start using this? So that sort of led us through the, to to the insight that we need to build a, a platform. We need to build it specifically for, uh, for for a vertical that uh, like shows that we know the business and that it like directly and instantly gives value back to to the user and the user, as we see it, is the is the marketer. There,
0: there was a product called Data Talks, which I thought was the one that you had started back in twenty fourteen. Was that a completely different product?
1: No, that that was actually not a not a product. That was actually uh, <laughs> two very very skilled guys working with marketing automation. That also saw that they were they were like they saw that we there there's so much data floating around and we're not using it. And I was talking to them and saying, yeah, we have, we understand how to use it. Let's 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 do something together. This is what we want to build. Are you interested to to join that? And that's when we acquired. So it was actually acquiring. The competence of those two 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 guys, and so we did that. So we acquired a company that was called Data Talks, and we actually liked that name, so we kept the name.
0: Tell me what happens then. So the acquisition, you've got you've got this team in place. What did you do next?
1: Yeah. So then we had like we during the the last part of 2017, what we had built was an MVP, and we had been able to present or actually sell that MVP. Um, incredibly enough but we had sold that mvp to to customers so then we when we had the launch in january 2018 we actually had a had a customer with us and then we just sort of developed from from there um just trying to to sell that what we had a lot on on like powerpoint uh powerpoint level but but that's how we how we did it and then also putting as much resources as possible into building uh or or improving the I would say building the product, improving that would be saying too much. It was building the the, the product.
0: So, what did the MVP do, and uh, how many customers did you end up selling it to?
1: We actually had pretty good growth uh, uh, with customers there during during that period. It was fairly easy. We were we did a one smart thing. So, since we didn't have um, Enough big of a team. So we needed to find out like figure out how do we collect, how do we get the data in so we can start analyzing it. So then we said, let's let's use the different marketing automation systems out there. So let, let us let them do the collecting and we just bring it out from from those systems. So just build like easy integrations and then put it into mainly like they ended up in, in dashboards, like sort of dashboards. And in those dashboards, you could start creating segments. And then exporting those back to, to, the, to, the, to the marketing automations. So the value was that you could actually very easily from going from getting an insight, doing the analyzing of, of your customers, and then right there and then creating segments from that. So you could understand this is who we should be targeting. Well, can I find these individuals? Yes, I can. I can right there and then I can create a new segment and just put that back and start, start my activations on that. So that was the value. That 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 was the 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 big thing, and that that insight actually led us to starting to to develop the the product in, in a way where we saw that we need to have something uh, in the product which we now call the uh, segment builder, like being able to build really good segments and being able to do that seamlessly from finding an insight and then going right into the segment builder. It, it, it's hard to like describe it if you don't see the product, but that that was uh, that was how we. We started off.
0: I just want to make sure I've understood this. So today, the product provides those insights, but also gives customers a way to act on those that information. But the MVP in the early days was sort of the the insights part.
1: It was much more the insights part and creating of the segmentations, but no activations. So then we had to like push those back into whatever tool that you were using for the activations. But that was not like that was not a sustainable solution. So we had to do two things. We had to, we had to develop like better analytics, better segmentation, and also more activations.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. So uh, you've you've built this product. How much were you charging for it?
1: I think it was like I think it was like something around uh, uh, say one thousand five hundred dollars per month. It was something, something like that. And that is our lowest price point right now.
0: And so, how many customers
1: did you sell it to, the MVP? Oh, the MVP, I would say we sold it to like uh, 10, 10 customers. And actually, one of those customers is still with us today. So, they've been through all the different versions, they've been very patient.
0: So, it's interesting because a lot of founders would be very happy to take an MVP, go and sell it. Get those first 10 mythical customers who aren't your relatives and whatever. But when you and I were talking, you were saying, I kind of wish we hadn't done that. I wish we hadn't sold it to them. So can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, I I would say one of the major, well, as always, there are a couple of major lessons, but one of them is definitely uh, what we did was, okay, so when we went into it, we said, okay, we have to have like, uh, a specific user in mind. We have to build it for, it. it's not a tech product. It's built for the end user, so it's the marketer. That's who we're building it for. We need to give them the power of using data and see that it can actually drive revenue from data. That was it. And we also said that to be able to do that, we have to also be a vertical specific. We can't build one size fits all. That won't work, right? So then we said, okay, so what verticals should we be uh, targeting? And all textbooks say that, yeah, choose one. Choose one customer type or one vertical. And we sort of said, nah, well, one, that seems a bit, that, that, that seems scary. So we picked three, right? That was a big mistake. That was a big mistake. We should definitely have gone with one vertical and like just, just, gone with it and made sure that we got a good product market fit and and could like scale the sales and marketing and everything from that. And then if we wanted to expand, but since we chose three, it was really hard for us to find a good or, or get to the state where we could see that we had a good product market fit. That was really difficult. And it was also, uh, it put a lot of stress on the team, like trying to, to juggle all of these three and having different messages and, and things like that. I mean, the team was very, very small. So, I mean, it was, that was a big mistake. And that also it's something that we are a little bit suffering from still today, since we do have, I mean, we're totally focused in sports today, but we do have customers in other verticals and they need support as well. So it sounds really strange, but that that's that is not that's not the best way for us or for them, to be honest.
0: So when you started out, you had sports as one vertical, and then retail and utilities were the other two. Yes. How how did you figure out what those three verticals were going to be?
1: <laughs> okay, so that that's a real good. So sports was like that was a given. First of all, we 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 got we acquired a. First of all, we. Already, we're working in sports. We love sports. We were working in sports. Um, we early on we we hired a guy who came from the sports world, and so like that was a given, right? Uh, retail was that we we uh, had a, a couple of good retail clients. It's a huge market. We saw the potential and everything, right? So retail was it was very opportunistic. This whole like idea of how how to find those verticals. And then utility was the same thing. We saw that there was a big need for a platform uh, like ours in utility. We saw that they could benefit a lot from it. Um, and we were actually getting early traction in that in that vertical as well. So, well, okay, so we said, let's go with these three. We should have said like no to some of the traction in, in in utility, for instance, and, and
0: in retail. But That's really interesting what you just said there, because there's one thing if you're going in and saying, we don't know, Which of these three verticals to focus on? So, we're going to hedge our bets. We're going to try these different areas and figure out which is the right place. But when you were just describing the verticals, there was a lot of passion when you talked about sports, it was experience, there was already a skill set, and you said sports was a given. So, it was interesting that you already had that conviction about that one vertical, but still felt that you needed to hedge your bets and, and spread your. Efforts across a number of areas.
1: Yeah, I know. It was like it was a feeling that we were more safe to 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 go with three instead of just one. That that was it. It was like a, in our minds, it was like not believing what every textbook tells you. That like be very specific and say no, no, we, that that sounds scary. So let's go with three. That that was basically it. We should we should of course listen to it to what others like founders and others very smart people have said <laughs> but uh, that's
0: that's uh... okay so that was around uh, 2018 yes uh, what what were the main takeaways from building and selling that MVP were there any surprises and then uh, where did you go next from those learnings
1: all right so so one of so one of the the, um, the main learnings also was that we actually sold the MVP, right? So, so we did, we did sales, which means that we, uh, the expectations from, from the customers were, was actually that, that we, that we sold something that should work, right? Uh, which it, it, it didn't always work. We should have, we should have been, we shouldn't have sold it. We should have been a more honest and saying, Hey, listen, because the ones we were selling to were the early adopters, right? I mean, they were, they were, otherwise they wouldn't have jumped on it. So if we would have had an honest conversation with them and said, Hey, listen, we have this idea. We think it's a great fit for you. Uh, you're obviously interested. So let's do it like this. Let's do it like a joint development. We we are bootstrapping this. So we don't have any investors. So we would really like to charge something for it. But I mean, this is it. We'll, we'll, we'll not charge much. This is what we need to charge. Uh, and it's an MVP, and, and like be more honest, and like doing it like in a joint uh, development project or something like that. I am quite sure that the those early customers would have said, "Yeah, I'm fine with that," because that, they were early adopters, so they were interested into finding out how how this could work. They saw the potential in it. So so we should have gone gone that way. So that was a, that was a big uh, big learning. And then then like going going from there, it was a big like leap uh to just really start investing in 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 the development of the product like i mean just getting everything out of the way and just like really focusing on 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 uh, developing the product and and to make it a, in a state where where we could say that now it's a, now it's like a first version and it's and it's really working
0: you talked about how you felt that you didn't set expectations better with these MVP customers, yeah, what was the what was the implication of that? What problems did that cause?
1: Well, actually, the the,
0: the biggest issue was that
1: um, it, it it made the expectations. They, they thought they were buying like more of a finished product than we were than we had, right? So then you understand that that, that those those clashed the, the expectations and 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 finding out that the product wasn't wasn't uh, as finished as 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 they thought it was. And we didn't think that we we didn't think that we were like it's not like we were saying something that, that wasn't true or anything. It's just that I mean the stability of the product wasn't there. Uh, so there were a lot of like fixes that needed to be to be to be done and, and things like that. So so that that was the the main the main implications of,
0: of that. Outbound has been probably the biggest driver of growth for your business. Let's, let's talk about that. What, what exactly were you doing and how did you uh, figure out how to make that channel work for you? Since, since we didn't have
1: like, any basis, we were very like, always short, <laughs> short on, on cash. So we had to like, spend it wisely. So it was natural to like, do the outbound because that, that, was just, that was just hard work. So <laughs> you can always spend a lot of hard work. There's no end to the budget for hard work. Uh, right. so. <laughs> so 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 so. Um, we did a lot of cold calling, a lot of cold emails, but also we started doing also our own events like seminars, inviting seminars uh, in different uh, with different topics, but always like connected to to like data activations, revenue through data, all of that. Like, but just keep keeping at it. Basically, like just a few people came in the beginning. Uh, so we had to get some friends in there, so it wasn't totally empty. <laughs> but then we were getting some more and more traction. So, so that was actually something that that was working, like having these breakfast seminars and that kind of uh, very simple events. But those those actually worked as as good uh, lead generating activities. So we we just kept at it. <clears throat> and one of the good things we did also was that we tried a lot of different uh, messaging. And like, okay, so how are we now doing the the cold calls? What what does the script look like? What do we need to change? What's working, what's not uh, what's working, what's not working, and so on. And the same with, with cold email. So we've always like had a, had a or been pretty good at at uh, trying uh, different things and, and and not being afraid of doing something in a different way, right? So so that that's I think that's been part of the 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 uh, uh, success. And then once we had some some more money, we also went to some external events, like uh, networking events and things like that, having a booth. That was also really good uh, lead generating activities. And then as, as we started getting some more traction, that's when we felt that we need to have uh, something else. We need to start working a lot more with content marketing, like trying to uh, get to that place where we, we could like seen as more like thought leadership and taking that approach so that's that's when we a little bit too late but anyway we hired a a person that could actually drive drive marketing and, and and especially start building that content marketing and doing that with 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 quality in the beginning we did we did we didn't do that much but what we did was with quality and it was with in in one channel but we focused on that and we got that right and saw that we were getting the, 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 the traction for the content. And okay, so that's good. We have the right to like uh, approach to it. And then we sort of just expanded, expanded from, from there, I would say.
0: Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupas is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings as well as listings from other marketplaces and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupos has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash BUPOS. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with BUPOS.com. What were you doing with the content? Was this mostly for SEO purposes or were you promoting it and trying to get it in front of your target market in other ways?
1: We did that, but but very limited uh, we didn't have that that much budget for it, so it was very limited but but we did try to get it in front and just tried try tried uh, try to drive them to to our our website and then try to convert them there in in some way and in in some of the content was just for brand awareness purposes just just trying to start Creating a brand awareness and, and, and those kind of things, but that's actually worked quite well. I, I would say that our our content works. I mean, the content marketing works. I must say.
0: Were you still targeting all three verticals at this point when you started on that content strategy?
1: Yes, but very very quickly we dropped the utility part. That that was yeah, that happened about the the, the same time when, when we started saying like we need to be more strategic about this. We need to start working in another way than just outbound. That was basically at the same time that we dropped uh, the
0: utility. Okay, why did that vertical go? Did you have like no success there, or was it? I think it's sometimes it's easier if you have no success because then it's you can just say yeah that's out. But when you get (laughs) a few customers, they're like oh I don't know. We
1: actually had we we still have a few customers. We had a few customers, so so we 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 were actually uh, closing deals there. But we saw a couple of things. One was that it was it was really slow. I mean, it, it took a lot of effort, a lot of time. So it was a very long sales cycle. And we saw that this will not suit, uh, suit us. It will not suit what we, where we want to take the company. And then we also looked uh, a little bit more like a structured approach to looking into that market. And we saw that it was, um, uh, it was very different depending on uh, what geography you were going into the the uh, the market was very different so we saw that it would be very hard to scale with that vertical so then it was a quite easy choice to say well no this is not this is not a vertical that we should be pursuing
0: okay so then you're left with retail and sports and so yes. content and and the outreach the cold emailing the the cold calls that still continued yes uh, focus on on both those two verticals were you mainly targeting Customers in in Sweden at the time.
1: We have always had the like the the ambition to to be to go internationally. So what we were, yes, of course, Sweden. That's like, of course, I mean, it uh, that's our our home market. So that was natural to to be there. But then we were very quickly out in in Europe, and then we specifically went to um, to the eastern part of Europe, actually. Um, that was also a, a market that we saw that we were getting some some really good good traction. They were very open and are very open to new new ways and new ideas and, and new solutions so that that was actually a, a very good market to to start off
0: with and and the cold outreach how well was that working for you i mean we we mentioned earlier that yeah outbound has been the biggest growth driver for you but Doing cold calling or cold email is often not a fun experience for both sides. Nobody wants to make that cold call and nobody wants to receive one. And yeah. many many startups, many founders, you know, they try that, but they never really figure out how to do that well. And there are plenty of examples out there of people doing it badly. The emails that you and I and people listening to this will get every day, which makes it even easier for us to just ignore that noise because it just keeps coming through. So what was your experience and why do you feel that you were able to make that channel work for your business?
1: Okay, so so this is a this is a it's a it's a bit of a tricky question, but I, I would like to answer it this way. We didn't really have a choice since we I mean we were bootstrapped, so we didn't really have a choice. We didn't have any big marketing budgets to like go, go in and and try to sort of warm up the market and, and, and do a lot of advertising and and try to like get those inbound leads. So that was one, one, one aspect of it, but we did, we did manage to get it work pretty well. Um, and where we did actually see, see some good traction with the outbound was in, in sports. So that that was that was one of the the, the markets where actually the, the outbound was 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 working, and also specifically we went into a part of Europe where not like it's for for some companies it's not the first choice. So it was it was also we didn't target like we didn't go to the big markets like Germany or the UK, which are I mean they they are really tough. We chose other ones, smaller markets, and that also made it a little bit uh, easier where. Um, um, saying that that we were from Sweden could help, and well, we, we could use those those things for us that that could actually work for us. Um, but I mean, yes, yes, cold calling, cold emailing—it's it's tough. It takes it takes a lot of volume to to make it work. But at that time, it it was like that—that that was what we had that that we could actually that that was the choice we had.
0: So eventually you also dropped retail and you went all in with sports. That happened quite recently, I think, maybe about a year ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we saw uh, in the beginning of uh, 2021, we we saw like the, the first signs of like, maybe we, sh- we need to rethink this uh, strategy. And there were a couple of reasons. One was, that is really hard, even if you're like starting to build a, a little bit larger team. It's still hard to keep like two messages alive and trying to be like really have the um, credibility of, of like for a smaller team to say that, yes, we're in retail, a really huge vertical. And yes, we're in sports. Yeah. But can you really do both? I mean, it's that, that, that's tough. And also having, having two messages uh creating a, a a website that sort of can appeal to both uh it it's that that's quite challenging and demanding uh, so that was one thing that started like it started to to make us think a little bit but what really made us um what really made us drop uh, like like the retail focus was that it was no doubt i mean if we just looked at the amount of leads coming in and saw the conversions and everything it was like sports That's where we had and and where we saw that we had the product marketed. So when we went into these meetings with the customers and we showed them the platform, like in sports, they said, "Wow, yes, this is what we need. Yes, yes, this this, you you nailed it. Give us, give us this." Where in in retail was more like, "Ah, "Well, yeah, it's it's okay, but maybe we're not ready. There are other options out there." That was the more the of the response. And I wouldn't blame them because if I look at, we always built it like for sports first, so naturally the product market fit was better there. So that was that made us drop uh, drop uh, retail
0: and go into sports. At the beginning, you said you know we should have just focused on one rather than the three. Yeah, without the the benefit of the hindsight that you have now, if you were back in in sort of starting out, what do you think you could have done differently? to get to that point and that focus faster. Whoa, that's... Uh, <laughs> was this just a, you just, maybe intuitively you knew sports was the vertical, but you just didn't have enough confidence to make that bet?
1: Exactly. That, that, that is exactly it. And maybe, we wish, I wish we would have had someone who had made the mistake earlier and said, listen, guys, Go with sports. Forget the rest. Don't worry about it. You'll you'll that's what make you that that'll make it work for you. So so forget the rest. These are the problems you'll see if you go with these three. But we didn't have the confidence. That's exactly right. We didn't have the confidence of of saying that, no, let's go with sports. We thought it was a safety belt to have more. And it was it's the opposite. So that that's definitely like like it, it's it's such a such a learning. So so I think someone if if we would have had someone who would have uh, like advised us and said, listen, go go with this.
0: We've talked about some of the downsides of trying to have these three verticals, you know, working them in parallel. How did things change when you then said one vertical sports? How did that change the way that you ran the business and? Focus of the team.
1: It was
0: huge. I mean, I mean,
1: huge. I didn't, I didn't even, I, I couldn't even imagine the impact it would have, like on on the company as a whole, like like the team. All of a sudden, everything just, boof, just came together. The whole team focused on one vertical into sports. One kind of customer. The product is built for this. There's one message. Everybody knew what they were doing. Everyone was running in the same direction. It was like boom, flipping a flipping a coin. It was it was amazing to see. I, I mean, not just from from the sales and marketing, but the whole team, product development, customer success, everyone in 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 Datatox. That it was awesome. It was awesome to see. And I, I think I mean that has nothing to do with. The, or maybe it does that we do have a passion for, for sports, but I, I don't think that that's the thing. It was more that, that we had one, like we. everybody knew this is one reason for us to exist. That, that was it. So that made it so much uh, easier.
0: Yeah. That's powerful stuff. You know, intuitively we, we all know that's the right way to go. Getting there is always so hard. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and, it, and I think you're on, I think you're to the point when you say, that that is about having the confidence and having the, the the guts to actually do it i think that because that that i think is what was lacking for for in our case in the beginning so so that that's that's also that's a really good good point there
0: well, let's talk a little bit about fundraising you bootstrapped the business for largely most of this time since you launched in 2018 you went and raised some funding recently when you and i were talking earlier you said i wish we had done this. We'd raised mon- money sooner. Yes. What do, What do you think would have been different if you had been able to do that?
1: A uh, very good question. And and there's actually very <laughs> there's a very specific uh, uh, answer to it. And I think it's once again it's about choices, right? Making the right choices or, or the right decisions. So in 2019, like in the end of 2019, we landed a huge customer. I mean, like. Whoa! It was a mega deal for us. So, and it, it was like a, a really uh, a lot of cash, uh, a, a good deal. It was uh, like it was also giving us a lot of uh, revenue in in professional services. It was fantastic. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> now, now after after seeing like having the answers, it wasn't because what happened was like having this mega customer. Uh, makes you it takes basically all the resources, right? So then we were struggling with having resources left for product development. We were having struggling with having resources for other customers and customer success. and so then we were like finding, okay, so how do we actually move the company forward? now we're just supporting one one customer. So even if it was a lot of cash and it sort of funded us for 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 a long time, it would have been be- better there and then to actually do a fundraising, take the same amount, but do a fundraising because then we could have actually put that cash to work and de- develop the, the, the company develop the, the messaging, develop the product, develop everything else. So th- that, that, was, that was, um, that's something that I've, I, I realized now that if I, if I go back, uh, and I'm in the same situation again, then I would say, Great it's really good that we can land a, a, a mega deal like this but this means that we have something that's valuable now let's go out to an investor and show this because we'll get we'll get the same funding at least and but we can make more use of that we can take we can take steps much more faster with having funding that's focused for just building the company so that's that's like uh, and that sort of made us um uh wait with the fundraising uh good or bad but but that's and then i mean then we started getting other clients in so it sort of eventually turned out really well but it i would say we put us back like nine 12
0: months so was your intention always to raise money at some point or was this let's try to bootstrap as far as we can and if we need to raise money we will What, what was your sort of view to this
1: from the beginning we've had like this uh uh, ambition that we want to go global, so we said that at some point to be able to do that, we will need to raise funding. But let's find the right time to do it. So, so we, we knew we knew that we had we had to raise uh, do some fundraising eventually, and we we were totally fine with it. And that was like where we were heading. We just didn't know when.
0: We should wrap up, move on to the lightning round. Uh, so I've got seven. Quick fire questions for you. Sure. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Know when to give up. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh,
1: then I would read um, uh, Factfulness uh, by uh, the professor Hans Rosling, a Swede. Uh, um, and I would recommend it because he brings data into explaining the state of the world. And he shows with data that we're in a much better state than we think we
0: are. I like that. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder?
1: Uh, determination.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Uh, do not procrastinate. So that's both a habit and the tool, I would say.
0: Well, what's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Okay, so I have an idea of how to
1: disrupt the player-agent market. In sports? Yes, in sports. Yes, yes.
0: Okay, you're not going to tell us anymore. (laughs) Uh, What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: Uh, I've actually been a a gymnastics coach, but I've never, ever done gymnastics or even been interested in gymnastics. But I've been a coach for gymnastics.
0: (laughs) Wow. And and finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? Uh, Music. Awesome. All right. Great. Well, well, Stefan, thank you so much for, for joining me. Uh, I appreciate you sharing the, the story and uh, taking us through from, from the early days of the idea through to where you are today. If people want to find out more about Data Talks, they can go to datatalks.se. Yes, that's great. And if uh, people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: then I guess uh, look me up on uh, LinkedIn or drop me a mail, stefan.leven at datatalks.esse.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and uh, thanks for uh, staying up late to have this conversation with me.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, same here. Thanks a lot.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.